Pain Talk, a podcast for patients living with pain and those that care for them. Now here's your host, palliative and emergency care physician, Dr. Maureen Allen. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to pick up our conversation with Dr. Sam Hiscock and Shelley LeDrew regarding the Atlantic Mentorship Network and dig into some of the perks and benefits of the network, as well as how we can access some really useful and important resources. So Shelley, we're going to come back to the Mentorship Network, and I'm, I'm just wondering if you could share with us the kinds of resources and supports that are available to members there. Sure. So really um, keeping in mind that we're here to, um, you know, in, enhance the capacity for primary health care providers. So really our goal um, and our initiatives and supports are really designed to, to be adaptable to the learning needs of its members. So not only in the type of environment that that they um, our, our initiatives are delivered, for example, um, whether they're in person or virtually, as well as the style in which they're delivered. So, for example, whether members wish to receive uh, mentorship in a more one-on-one type of, of relationship or whether they prefer to learn um, or receive mentorship in a more self-directed small group or even large group environment. Can you talk about some of the programming that's offered through the AMN in particular? What kinds of programs are there? For example, um, some of our small group more uh, initiatives are um, we hold monthly virtual online webinars, our annual conferences, some of our um, more self-directed um, initiatives are um, we've partnered with uh, Pain BC and offered their Pain Foundations course. So, and that's geared towards physicians and, and all healthcare providers, essentially. We've partnered with CAMH in, in Ontario and offer the opioid use disorder treatment course. We also partnered with University of Toronto and Doctors Nova Scotia in, a, in uh, offering the uh, safer opioid prescribing course as well. Yeah, so a, we, we partner with, with a lot of organizations, not only provincially, but, but obviously nationally as well. Yeah, it's, it's just such an amazing wealth of uh, resources and knowledge. There's no question. Sam, can you talk about the role of those with lived experience of chronic pain and addiction and the kind of role that they play within the mentorship? First and foremost, we always really try to endeavor to sort of remember, right, who we're actually, you know, doing this all for, right? It's for people, right, who actually it's, you know, they, they call it, they've, you know, there's a sort of uh, movement away from, you know, uh, client-centered or pa- patient-centered to person-centered care, right? And, uh, you know, like the people at the, at the core of this are those who are actually living with, with, uh, living with these disorders, right? So with that said, we don't deliver direct services or, uh, you know, tor- to people with lived experience. That's not really our target our audience. Our target audience are clinicians, right? And we have over 304 clinicians now presenting a whole, as I said before, a host of a host of different professions, right? The majority, well, I wouldn't say the majority, but the largest group would be physicians, second would be nurses, and then there's a whole host of other healthcare professionals. But with with that said, right, you know, when it comes to educational interventions, like, for example, if we 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 typically, although COVID has thrown a wrench in this, we typically run one or two general conferences a year, which would last like a, on, on average one and a half to two days. And uh, these conferences, you know, we have a number of different, uh, you know, educational sort of lectures and, you know, events happening during the, the conference. Every conference that I ever attended always has first voices, people with lived experience, really talking about what their experiences are 
are, are like, you know. Uh, in addition, we have an advisory committee that really ensures that we kind of stay on track in terms of uh, engaging in, in uh, activities that actually uh, really meet our mandate that's uh, expressed in our mission statement and our vision. And we have on the advisory committee, at a minimum, one person with chronic pain and one person with lived experience of addiction uh, on the advisory committee, right? So that, that you know, we, we really see that as absolutely essential. And I would say that, you know, the majority of educational events and activities that we put on in terms of formal, large and small group kind of learning events, courses, workshops, seminars, and so on, involve people lived experience really talking to professionals about, you know, what they're doing, right? Yeah. Very much a part even of the the webinars. I mean, uh, there are some individuals consistently who have lived experience that attend those and their input is just so invaluable. Yeah, it's really important. It's not like a club for clinicians, like and people yeah. with lived experience are welcome to come along, you know, and yeah. uh, they're even welcome to join the network. It's not like you ha- you don't have to prove that you're a healthcare professional to join, but it is important to know that, you know, that's kind of our target audience, right? So Shelley, did you have something to add? I, I thought I- Sam and I are taking up all the airspace here. <laughs> I know you you like that. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, you're comfortable, oh. right? Take the back seat, but Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Shelley, maybe you can answer this or answer this, or maybe Sam could too. Is it who can become a member of the mentorship network? Yeah. So the like Sam said, the, the network is open up to, to all healthcare professionals. And again, it, it, it's not only the healthcare professionals, but you know, if the lived experience uh, folks wanted to join, they're, they're more than welcome to do so. And they can do so by um, going to our website, uh, atlantic.mentorshipnetwork.com, or they can connect with uh, myself, uh, Shelley or Sam. Sure. Yeah, so I'm going to put uh, the Mentorship Network's uh, connection there on our page for uh, individuals who live who listen to the podcast and who want to connect. Does it cost any money to join, Shelley? No, there's no cost to join. Um, Yay. There may be a, a <laughs> <laughs> something that's free. Exactly. There's not much out there that's free these days. However, yeah. I will say there may be a modest fee to attend. You know, some of our our conferences or workshops. But again, it's a, it's a very modest, a modest fee for sure. The core, you know, kind of activity that we do, Maureen, which we haven't really touched on is, is really, uh, you have mentors, right, who are actually, you know, paid uh, individuals, healthcare practitioners, who really act as facilitators for other people's learning, as well as sort of role models, right? They don't have to be specialists or experts in both pain and addiction. They just have to be interested in learning and enthusiastic and keen. And they typically would run uh, groups with mentees, right, with people who are actually, uh, you know, interested in, in learning and being mentored. And they would they would hold group sessions uh, that are, you know, they may break bread together. They may, and in these group sessions, they may have um, individuals, you know, coming in to sort of talk about a topic. They themselves may, you know, sit around and talk about some cases uh, that are, you know, some difficult clinical situations and try and help to give each other support and problem solve. They may uh, pick a topic uh, or uh, do a journal club style of, you know, learning session. It's up to them. So all of those sessions, as well as any other educational events that we put on as well, uh, individuals are eligible for continuing medical education credits. So that's value added. We're all accredited. So all those events are free. 
like yeah. the group, you know, the kind of group mentor events. And that's, that's sort of at the core of what we do. And so we really have lowered the threshold. It's like very accessible. And of course, with the pandemic, we've, uh, we've gone largely online in terms of uh, yeah. those group, those group, uh, small groups uh, that are run by mentors. The other group that I've been finding so invaluable are the pharmacists. So they can provide so much input in terms of how both of these areas kind of overlap. And there, there is a, a tremendous amount of discussion around pharmacotherapy, for sure. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm someone who, for example, like I, before I ever went to medicine, I was a regulated healthcare professional in Ontario as a massage therapist. I right? saw I did that. that. I didn't yeah. know that. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> I did that for seven years. And I always say, you know, like, the amount of uh, musculoskeletal anatomy, my, phys- my physical assessment of okay. musculoskeletal you know, pain was all really influenced by um, the physiotherapy field as well as orthopedic uh, medicine, right? So yeah. we use like the orthopedic assessment textbooks that are used by orthopedic uh, residents, right? And so, you know, like the amount of training that I had in sort of how to assess, you know, common clinical presentations like uh, mechanical lower back pain, you know, it was it was all from massage therapy, right? And so, you know, like having a massage therapist in your mentor group, you know, they have a lot to teach family physicians, right? Yeah. And as well, in, in doing that, the family physicians can learn about like, oh, this is how you, you know, some tips and tricks about how to diagnose myofascial trigger points, right? Yeah. You know, that a, that a massage therapist would know about. And then they come to understand, hey, the, this massage therapist in my community you know, they, they might actually be really part of the healthcare team. Like they could, they could actually, you know, maybe I should refer some more patients to them and actually not just say, oh yeah, you can go to see someone and get a massage, but actually talk to them and go, you know, like, look, you know, they're having this particular issue. Why don't you work on it and let me know how it goes? Like, and you're actually starting to collaborate, right? In a way that doesn't normally happen, in, you know, between those two professions, Right by way of example. So it's those opportunities that we really are excited by, right, is is really the informal, you know, kind of connections that happen. There's so much richness and learning there that I think we're not tapping into when we just sort of go and do like a, you know, sort of more traditional continuing medical education. Well, we also understand how each other thinks. I mean, one of the biggest learning experiences for me was the um, involvement of the pain self-management program that occurs in our community and it occurs without within the whole province of Nova Scotia. But when you start working closely with physiotherapy, occupational therapy, psychology, oh my God, you learn so much. I can't I can't stress that enough, how much you learn from each other. And it goes both ways, right? So they learn how physicians think, we learn how they think. I learn so much. They do they do such better musculoskeletal exams than I've ever been taught to do in med school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that team approach, that interdisciplinary kind of approach or interprofessional kind of approach, there's just no other way to do it. I think when you're dealing with with uh, when you're dealing with pain or you're dealing with addiction as well, it just it's such a supportive environment because you're working together. So, so that kind of brings me into this this last piece. Then we're we're cluing up, guys, because I know you've got a lot on your plate today. <laughs> so, how has your involvement in the network impacted your work or practice? I mean, I've been working with Shelley even before I ever, you know, was the director, right? And I've been working with her for probably, I don't know, like six, seven years, something like that, maybe, yeah, something, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I would say I've seen, you know, I, I've known her over that time, and, you know, she's uh, grown uh, as a, as, as, you know, as a person, and I think she's, uh, you know, just done such wonders with the with the network i would say like she's the she's the lifeblood of the network the i call her the soul. quarterback she's the quarterback <laughs> and, you're the coach she's and, the quarterback uh, 
<laughs> you know, she's she has to uh, get a bunch of uh, clinicians together. That's like herding cats, right? I mentioned you know? that in the introduction. It's hilarious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, but I've but she does so much more than that, and she's really you know become someone who just exercises an incredible amount of creativity and initiative, and has grown professionally. So I, I'll just endorse that. Whatever she says to you yeah. or doesn't say, <laughs> I've seen that incredible amount of growth, and it's been an honor to be on the journey with her. You know, I myself, like I started off, I didn't have, as I said, I was kind of like a typical physician in the sense that I I didn't really have much in the way of chronic pain. Uh, I didn't understand really like what are all the different sort of uh, ways to manage chronic pain. I had my massage therapy background, right? Yeah. I had really little to no training of uh, uh, that would lead me to understand chronic pain as a brain disorder, right? Yeah. You know, as a neuroendocrine disorder, as a, you know, like all the different ways that, you know, I'm sure uh, Maureen in your podcast, you talk to folks, right? About, because yeah. I know your perspective about it. And the perspective of, you know, what we know about the science of pain. And the same holds true for addiction, honestly. Yeah. And it's um, growing I, every day. Yeah, like a, I yeah. would, when I, you know, when I, I, I was actually quite cynical about the notion of addiction as a disease. I, I, I'm just, you know, uh, astounded to think of that now, knowing what I know, right? So, yeah. so you know, for me, it's like I started to interface with the network really by connecting with the former director of the network who was in uh, had the ability to to advise me about a really really challenging patient in which I was prescribing opioids and they had a personality disorder and another a number of other issues and they were a legacy patient someone I inherited into my family practice as a family doctor mm -hmm. and I was way over my head and I was treating them using the training that I had which was really uh, that kind of uh, using the uh, modified WHO pain ladder, right? Oh, geez. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, yes. And that I takes was, me back. <laughs> yeah, right. Remember? Yeah, and exactly. I was increasing the opioids more and more. And this is someone who, I mean, it was just, it was really, it was very worrisome. And I started, and I, I reached out to the prescription monitoring program to say, I need help. And I left a call. I didn't hear back from them. Uh, like, I mean, I did eventually, like the next week, but I, le I left a call on a Thursday. And on the Friday, I had a letter sent to me from the prescription monitoring program from the week prior saying, we have concerns about your prescribing with this patient, right? And, oh, and of course, my response was terror, right? Yes, you know? exactly. Fear. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so they actually, but their instincts were my instincts. Like, you know, I was yeah. like, yeah, things aren't good and right, you know. So I got some support there. And really, the, the big part of the support was this is a hard situation. Yeah. You're on the right track. You could try these things. And, you know, I think you need to direct this person to this care here too, right? And yeah. it was incredibly, like, helpful. <laughs> like, yes, and, yeah. and uh, you know, and then uh, I was doing some work in rheumatology. I had a sort of shared care in rheumatology uh, sort of uh, gigs that I did for about six years with a bunch of rheumatologists in town here. And and uh, I was just invited to sort of join the network and to join a mentor group uh, from uh, that director, really, from uh, based on that initial interaction. And, you know, in doing so, I met some folks who were doing addiction care in the province, uh, mm -hmm. a really astute physician, John Frazier, right? Oh, yes, John. And then also another one called Rom Herring, who's now, you know, yes. a really close friend of mine. He's now out in Victoria doing addiction care. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it really allowed me to sort of start to understand addiction as a Clinical entity actually, and eventually led me to get training in how to prescribe uh, opioid agonist therapy, and uh, that led me to really become uh, someone who was a specialist in addiction medicine, right? Yeah. And in addition, you know, I started doing more work in the mental health field, working with um, 
uh, particularly with Canadian Forces veterans with military trauma. You know, 75% of our population of the patients we were working with in that cohort had disabling severe chronic non-cancer pain. And so yeah. the clinic I was in, we actually developed the first pain self-management program that was specifically geared towards veterans, right? So yeah. all of that work kind of work, like, I mean, I've leaned in, right? Like yeah. I love working with yeah. pain, you know, yeah. and yeah. I love working with folks with substance use disorder. And, you know, back when I had that first interaction with uh, with Dr. Peter McDougall, who was the uh, old director, if you'd asked me, what are the two clinical entities that you least enjoy I would have said chronic pain and addictions. Like, oh, wow. like it was, it's like a radical change. So it changed my life, right? Like I'm, yeah. you know, my entire career now is, is really oriented towards this. And the most important thing is I always had a, a, a kind of a, an, an, an interest in working with, with individuals who are marginalized, right? Who, you know, who are living on the margin of society, low socioeconomic status, homeless, you know, or mar marginally housed, food insecure, big trauma history, uh, racialized, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like this is kind of where I, I feel at home, always felt at home. And I didn't realize that in doing, in developing all the skills that I've developed, right? To really, that allow me to become an addiction clinician and a, and, and a, and at least a primary care practitioner who really is a keener in terms of managing chronic pain from a primary care perspective, that, that I actually was, ended up working with the very population that I'd always sought to serve, right? Yeah. And um, I, I just am so incredibly grateful. So, you know, that, that's how it changed me and then yeah. finally i would say that you know eventually uh you know it I, I kept getting invited to sort of give a talk at a conference for the amn uh shelly you remember those days right I do. I yeah do and sure. you'd always bug me like how come i haven't got your slides yet the talk is tomorrow morning <laughs> and i'm like i'm finishing them up and yeah. you know it really allowed me to sort of step into the role of really thinking about healthcare systems and and really how to affect uh change uh, for for the system as a whole and for clinicians and and uh, and and you know ultimately it really groomed me for healthcare leadership right and yeah. so uh, which I, I've been really blessed to uh, to sort of be put into positions of uh, significant healthcare leadership and it, you know I, I really owe it all to uh, my connection to the mentorship network uh, where I really found a home uh, with other clinicians who were like minded and yeah. for whom you know we could all learn and share together and you know. Uh, really uh, encouraged me to step up, right, uh, yeah. to become become a leader, and also to sort of uh, uh, find my voice, right. And uh, yeah. you know, I'm I, I really owe it. I you know I, I owe all of that, my entire professional life, really, to the network. It sounds yeah. like ridiculous, but it's no, it's actually it, true. You know, in a, in a, in a way, it's it's really about advocacy too, Sam. I mean, not everybody can do that administrative leadership part and you do it and you do it really well. That's why I always think of you as a coach, but you always come at it with the right intent. You come at it from the heart and it really is about providing uh, really good, effective patient care, but also supporting the individuals who work in those environments. Like, uh, you know, you do a very good job at that. Oh, thanks, Maureen. Yeah. So, well, you too, and I've learned so much from you, right? <laughs> You're someone that, you know, I've been inspired to sort of, uh, you know, and feel really honored, right, to rub shoulders with you, so. Oh, thank you, you know? yeah. No, it's, yeah. I just, I like, you know, normally people say to me, aren't you retiring? My husband already retired. I said, oh, there's just way too much to learn. <laughs> and I'm having oh, so much fun. It's just... That's right. I, I, there's so much... Uh, 
so much science that's good science that's happening and good opportunities that are happening for for patients. I mean, look how far we've come, Sam. It's crazy when you think even in the province of Nova Scotia in terms of, I mean, we still have a long way to go, but um, yeah. some really good things are happening in the province for sure and and nationally as well and provincially. Yeah. Shelley, yeah. I wonder if you, if you could tell us how it's affected your, your work and practice. So uh, before coming on to the, to the network, um, I had multiple roles in the tertiary uh, chronic pain clinic here in Halifax. And that was my initial, you know, introduction, I guess, to to the chronic pain world. And I and I actually um, witnessed, you know, I would see the referrals coming in, you know, at various levels from primary care to to you know the the tertiary care level. And that really opened my eyes in terms of my interest in program development, wanting to um, be able to pr- produce and provide support to primary care providers. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was invited to to become the manager of the network back in, oh my heavens, oh, 10, 10, oh no, 12 years ago, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I took it on as a year. I left my position at the, the pain management unit and, and tried this out for a year and I never went back. Oh, and um, we're, we're, we're better off for it too. Well, well I don't know about that. Absolutely effort. we are. I always say it's a team effort. So yeah. um, I've got great leadership in Sam and obviously you, Maureen, and our other uh, clinical advisor, Dave Martell. So it, it, it takes a village. So. Yeah. Well, I think one of the major skills that you have is patience. I like <laughs> honesty. I mean, that, that to me is probably your, your, your best asset. All right. So any final thoughts, guys? We're going to kind of sign off here, but uh, I thought this was a great discussion. I'm so thankful that you guys are willing to do this. So um, any final thoughts? Uh, No, again, it's been a pleasure to to have this conversation with you and and to get the word out about the network. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, it's it's such a great resource uh, that we just need to we need to kind of pump it up a bit. For, for those who, who are interested, Maureen, you'll put the, the link up to our website. Yeah. And again, uh, I encourage uh, primary care providers that if they're interested to, to, again, connect on the website or connect with myself or even Sam. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'll just say, I'll just thank you, Maureen, for the opportunity, right, to have a conversation. As always, it's like really fun and rich. And, uh, and as always, we go off on tangents, yeah. uh, which are, we, the two of us, right, would enjoy doing that. We that's geek why, out. That's, that's why I say Shelly has such patience, because we get into these meetings that are supposed to be 45 minutes long, and we, we leave the, the, the really crux of the work for 10 minutes, right? That's right. Part of, but I think part of, like, why we do that or what, what's going on there is is really at the core of, you know, what I would say you know, the experience of involvement with the network is for a lot of people, you know, and it's not for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not a cult, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like perf- practically perfect in every way. But for those who, you know, for whom it really, uh, it, it's really part of their, 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 their life and, and, you know, like it's a part of their, their, their work as clinicians. I think it's sort of a place where people sort of really connect with actually how enjoyable and fun it is yeah. actually to learn and, and, you know, kind of, problem solve and work together right and and yeah. uh, and grow right it's not really a burden of learning it's yeah. actually more enjoyable and fun and interesting for people like it's really cool and fun to sort of suddenly have all of these other people that you work with in a group who can actually you know come up with some really great ideas for your patients yeah. uh, when you know you sort of normally feel at a loss and isolated and alone and so ultimately it's the experience of coming back to 
why did I want to do this? Like, why did I go to become an occupational therapist? Like, what's really at the core of what I do? And what you find is when you're in a room with a bunch of people uh, from the network is you feel like you're around like-minded people for whom they really are still in touch or they've gotten back in touch with uh, with really why they do what they do, right? Which is to just really, there, there's a genuine desire to help people and a real strong sense of gratification and gratitude, right? That comes from, you know, being able to do that. And so I think it's like, really, that's what's at the core of of the experience uh, of, of being yeah. in the network is yeah. is that... Uh, is that uh, is that sense of oh yeah this is why I I you know I went to medical school in the first place right yes exactly um, yeah. and and it's pretty cool to be in a room of people who are feeling that way too and honestly I think one of the assets of the group I mean anybody that because I mean people would look at the work that we do and think oh my god that's got to be so hard and so serious. Mm. But everybody's got such a great sense of humor. Like we That's can, right. and including those with lived experiences, right? So we oh, can always, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, listen, thank you very so good. much and uh, have a good day and stay safe for gosh sake. You too, Maureen. All take right. Care. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Pain Talk. To learn more about our podcast and to find links mentioned in today's show, please visit our website at paintalk.ca.